During the season of Pentecost at Kenilworth Union Church, we've been preaching this sermon series called Shafts of Light, which is about the figures in our stained glass windows in the third, in the third floor Malat Chapel, about 14, I think, 20th century saints and heroes of the Christian church, the world around. Today we're looking at Raoul Wallenberg. Our scripture lesson is from Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes they've devised. They sit in ambush in the villages, and in hiding places they murder the innocent. Their eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. They seize the poor and drag them off in their nets. They think in their heart, God has forgotten. God has hidden God's face. God will not see us. But in fact, the Lord is king forever and ever and continues to execute justice for the orphan and the oppressed. God will bring justice for the orphan and the oppressed so that those from earth may no longer strike terror. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Steven Spielberg is a minor god in my pantheon of deities, not only for his splendid films, but for his work with the Shoah Foundation. Schindler's List is the finest film I have ever seen. E.T. happens to be second, also Steven Spielberg. If you've seen Schindler's List, you know that it's three hours and 17 minutes long, all black and white. The color palette is rather drab and grim and dark. Three hours, 17 minutes, black and white, except for two brief slashes of red. To see the little girl in the red coat is God's call to each one of us. Raoul Wallenberg is the Swedish Oscar Schindler. There was no earthly reason for him to play that role in Budapest in 1944. He was born in 1912 near Stockholm to a prominent and wealthy Jewish, or Swedish family rather, of bankers and bishops. They say that the Wallenbergs are to Sweden what the Vanderbilts and the Roosevelts are to America. But little Raoul did not want to be a banker or a bishop. He wanted to be an architect. And so he matriculated at, do you know where he went to school? The University of Michigan. (laughs) Class of 1935, top of the class of 1935. Now, I don't know why a prominent Swede chose Michigan to study architecture. Maybe because it's a great architecture program, but I like to think he liked the school colors. Maize and blue, just like the Swedish flag. Now I asked the first congregation, I asked, who's the most famous Michigan alumnus? Jerry Ford, Arthur Miller, Branch Rickey, Madonna, Tom Brady. And then I said, I think maybe the world around Raul Wallenberg is the most famous Michigan alumnus. That may not be true because a lot of people between the services told me they'd never heard of him before this morning. And I guess I didn't discover him until I became a student a while back of those righteous among the Gentiles who rescued the Jews in Europe in the 1940s. 
turns out that Mr. Wallenberg's uh, Michigan architecture credentials were worthless in his native Sweden, so he went to work for an import-export company that traded food and dry goods all around the world. He worked in South Africa, he worked in Israel, he worked all across Europe, including in Hungary. He spoke flawless Swedish, English, German, and Hungarian. In May and in June of 1944, the Nazis, under the leadership of the infamous Adolf Eichmann, the architect of the final solution, deported 430,000 Hungarian Jews to Auschwitz. 430,000 in seven weeks. Of those 430,000, 381,000 were murdered at Auschwitz, mostly within hours of their arrival there. Now, these Jews came from the small villages in the Hungarian countryside. There were still 150,000 Jews in Budapest. Uh, uh, not long before these things happened, a couple of prisoners escaped from Auschwitz and reported to the world what was happening there. But as an arch enemy of the Axis, the United States was powerless to intervene on behalf of the Jews of Budapest. But the United States had cash. And they sent the cash to the neutral nations of Europe, Sweden, Switzerland, Spain, Portugal, the Vatican, and asked them to intervene on behalf of Budapest Jews. Now, Raoul Wallenberg was the ideal candidate to help with this process. He was a born salesman and diplomat. He was as slick and charismatic as Oscar Schindler himself and as eager to offer a bribe of cash, whiskey, or cigarettes if that bribe would buy the freedom of a few Jews. When he arrived in Budapest in July of 1944, the first thing he did was to begin printing and distributing these what he called Schutz passes, a safe pass which would protect the bearer from harassment by the Nazis. These Schutzpasses, these safe passes, made you an honorary Swedish citizen. And of course, he printed it in maize and blue ink, I like to think, because of Michigan, but maybe because of the Swedish flag. These safe passes made the holder an honorary Swedish And then he began to rent 32 different buildings in Budapest and turned them into safe houses, sanctuary buildings where you would be safe from the Nazis. Again, you were an honorary Swede in these buildings. So he put this huge Swedish flag over the door and called it Swedish property. One of the buildings he called the Swedish library and another he called the Swedish Research Institute. The thing is, the human traffic flowing in and out of these Swedish properties did not look Scandinavian. They were not tall, blonde, and blue-eyed. They were short, raven-haired, ebony-eyed, and swarthy. And the Nazis would joke amongst themselves. They'd watch this human traffic flow in and out of these Swedish buildings and say, look, there goes another of Wallenberg's Swedes. For the six months that he was in Budapest, Raoul Wallenberg was a whirling dervish of energy, a volcano of passion and compassion. He just would not rest. Of the 150,000 Jews who were there in March of 1944 when the Nazis showed up, 130,000 survived the war. Not all of them because of Mr. Wallenberg. 
They say that 350 members of the neutral nations of Europe helped to rescue the Jews in Budapest in 1944. 350. Nevertheless, in the subsequent years, Raoul Wallenberg has been credited with saving as many as 100,000. That's probably not the case. It was probably fewer than 10,000, but still. January of 1945, the Russian army finally liberated the city of Budapest from the Nazis, and every Jew who had not been carted off to Auschwitz was finally safe. Adolf Eichmann had fled the city in the days before these events, and he ended up, of course, in Argentina, where he lived for 10 years, until they finally apprehended and hanged him in 1960-1961. The very day that the Russians liberated the city, Raoul Wallenberg made an appointment with the Russian commander at Soviet headquarters because he wanted them to help him to rehabilitate the city of Budapest and its citizens. But they arrested him instead. They suspected that he was an American spy. He'd spent all this time in the United States. They arrested this man, and he was never heard from again. We don't know how, when, or even if Raoul Wallenberg died. We know that he spent two years in a Moscow prison because his cellmates, after they were released, came back to report these sightings. He was probably... Uh, killed in 1947. The Soviets told the world that he died of a heart attack. But in 1947, Raoul Wallenberg was 34 years old. It's likely that the, Nazi, the uh, Russians executed him. But it's not definitive. We don't know. The Swedish government finally declared him dead in 2016, 70 years after the end of the war. People reported sightings of Raoul Wallenberg for 40 years until 1987, 40 years after the war. They'd seen him in a Moscow prison. They'd seen him on the streets of Europe. We don't know where he went. In 1979, his mother and his stepfather committed suicide within days of each other. His half-sister said, they took their own lives out of despair after never having found their son. It's kind of creepy to think that such a shaft of light, such a luminous saint, such a brave and kind and able war hero just disappeared into thin air without a trace, just vanished from the face of the earth. It's a little creepy but I've chosen to find some meaning there. I like to think that Raoul Wallenberg is sort of out there in the ether, watching over us and reminding us of how much compassion and courage we have it within us to share. In 1981, Congressman Tom Lantos of California sponsored a bill naming Raoul Wallenberg as an honorary American citizen, just the second non-American to be so honored after Winston Churchill. Now, since 1981, six other non-Americans have been named honorary American citizens, but in the history of the United States, only eight have received that honor. 
Back in 1944, future Congressman Lantos was a 17-year-old Jew in Budapest. The Nazis murdered his entire family, but he survived the war by taking refuge in one of Mr. Wallenberg's safe houses. His childhood sweetheart also survived the war by using one of Mr. Wallenberg's safe passes to escape to Switzerland. When they emigrated to the United States in 1950, they married and they were married for 58 years. The Hebrew psalmist says the wicked sit in ambush in the villages. In hiding places they murder the innocent. Their eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. They seize the poor and drag them off in their nets. They say to themselves, God has forgotten. God has hidden God's face. God will never see us. But in fact, the Lord is king forever and continues to work justice for the orphan and the oppressed so that those from earth may strike terror no more. That Hebrew psalm is a terse praise of Ruol, Raoul Wallenberg's brief but luminous life to work justice for the orphan and the oppressed so that those from earth may strike terror no more. The Raoul Wallenberg Plaza in Ann Arbor sits on the site of the first Jewish cemetery in the state of Michigan from 1848. There's a dark solitary shrouded cowering figure there can't tell if it's a man or a woman but one hand is a clenched fist of anguish and the other is open offered in hope to heaven outside the art and architecture building at the university of michigan is another tribute to raul wallenberg it's called kotsunom raul wallenberg Kotsunom, thank you. Thank you, Raoul Wallenberg. The upright and fallen slabs of stone represent the chaos of war and those thin, slight steel beams which sort of suggest a transparent building remind us of how little it takes to offer safe sanctuary for God's imperiled children. So, Raul, if you're out there somewhere, you're 109 years old, unlikely, I guess. But Kotsunom, Raul Wallenberg, thank you. Thank you for doing what you did to guard the least, the last, and the lost. Thank you, Raul, for reminding each of us every day to be ever watchful for the little girl in the red coat. Because there is a little girl in a red coat in each of our lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.